You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside and once again outside Fox 59 CBS 4 Podcast Studio. This is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. I am Dave Griffiths. Mike Chappell is here as well, as is Joe Hopkins, all via the magic of the internet coming together to bring you some more Colts content. And the NFL doesn't stop. We all know that. Even if there's a pandemic, it seems like there's still something to talk about when it comes to the Colts. There is uh, something significant, really, to talk about for probably many fans of this podcast and many fans of Indianapolis sports in general. As just earlier today, the uh, the Indy 500 was postponed until August 23rd uh, because of the coronavirus pandemic. Um, obviously, uh, hopefully they could have got it done at the end of May. But nevertheless, Roger Penske did. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I'm joking on the done for that just eight guys. <laughs> Holy, oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm okay. That's not the coronavirus that has got me. It is a donut. But I was going to say uh, to have yeah, to watch no. you die over <laughs> Skype and not be able to save you would be terrible. <laughs> That'd be horrible. No, no, but, but Mike, but before we really dive into the cold side, you, you've been part of Indianapolis sports scene for a long time. Just seeing the Indy 500, not in May, I'm sure is going to be a little weird, but it just adds to the, uh, the long, long litany of sporting events that have that have seen uh, uh, seen some changes because of what's been going on in the world right now. Yeah, I've not been out there for a while as far as working, but early on in my years with the Star, it was all hands on deck. And what always amazed me early on was how many ingenuity of the town of Speedway, how many cars you can get parked on your lawn <laughs> at twenty bucks a car. But it's so obvious what that means to the to the city of Speedway, Indianapolis, and Central Indiana. If you always go back to when, remember when Peyton Manning came here, and he said it struck him that this was a uh, basketball speedway or a race, and they helped turning into a football town as well. So it's really good. I I, I hope things have cleared up to where not only they can run it, but they can have fans in the stands. I mean, the idea of maybe running this without fans. So hopefully, hopefully in August we're we're back to some normalcy. We we all hope for sure. But um, <clears throat> as of right now, the NFL has no made no significant sk- changes to its off-season schedule. Um, canceled the NFL owners meetings that happen every um, every year it seems. But um, right now, saying hey, the draft is still on. The draft is still on the specific date, even though there's not going to be the fans in attendance. I'm sure a fan-centered Vegas draft would have been a whole heck of a lot of fun, and I guarantee the NFL is going to do it sometime in the future. But even the WNBA came out and announced, hey, we're going to do our draft on April 17th. It's just going to be like via phones and internet, kind of uh, like we're doing right now, just changing the plans a little bit and still going on. And when I saw that announcement again from the WNBA saying that they're going to do their draft on April 17th, I mean, Mike and Joe, both of you guys, there, there's no way if that's going to be the case, the NFL is going to, there's no way the NFL would change things if the WNBA can figure out how to do things and get it done. I'll, I'll withhold judgment because I, I think there's still a chance they, they, they move it back. There have been a few changes. They, they Remember they suspended in, in March 13th, they suspended all travel for coaches and scouts to pro days and no longer could bring players in. Uh, they've closed facilities, so so players aren't allowed there until at least uh, facilities won't be open until I think it's April 8th. I'll reassess. Off-season workout programs begin like for the Colts April 19th or 20th. That's likely not going to happen. The big issue, see, they, mechanically, logistically, they can do everything they want in the draft. They can do it remotely. They can, you know mail in they can call in their picks however you want to do it what's missing is you can't have hands-on to whatever it is 20 or 30 players with on with on-site visits and that's not into how about two of the quarterback he's been sending out these videos where he's working out well if you're going to invest a third or fifth overall pick in him don't you want your doctors to have hands-on to make certain he's okay i was sort of thinking out loud earlier had this been the case in 2011, when Peyton Manning was trying to make his comeback, the Colts released him. They wouldn't pay the 20 option bonus. And the, he, he goes to Denver and, and signs with them. But their doctors looked him over a lot. And they had hands-on. They had workouts. Can you imagine having to invest that kind of money into a Peyton Manning when all you get is 
his doctors and his videos. I know all, I, I read where ESPN was mentioning that all the GMs, most of the GMs, want this pushed back for those reasons because they're not done with their evaluations. I don't see how you can, let's say, can you imagine, again, it's 32 teams. If you bring in 30 players as you were allowed, can you imagine how long it would take to, to schedule those type of flights into cities for five weeks? Well, you, you can't push the draft back that far. Then you're back into June. So they probably will keep it the way it is. But the GMs are going to be of the disadvantage. I know the Colts believe they're ahead of the curve. They've got a great scouting system. They, they do their work ahead of time as much as possible. But this won't be ideal. And, and maybe those players who need those rechecks from the combine, which they won't get, they won't be flying people into here. So there will be some uh, players selected or not selected based on how you weren't able to vet these players as you normally have for, for sure absolutely so it, it comes down to now even more so than what your doctors say what your scouts have said so i mean not that nfl teams devalue their scouts at all i don't think but um what what comes over the uh the upcoming nfl draft will be uh perhaps a whole lot more about what exactly the scouts say and maybe less about what the doctors say, less about what your personal evaluators say, a guy that might go in. We just saw the Colts release there with the next pick uh, this week, the video series the Colts Productions puts out. They do a really good job. But in their first one, they highlighted their guy who's kind of uh, the guy who kind of dives into um, the personality. And he's uh, more right, of a yeah. guy. He's not, yeah, not a football guy. He, he's a personality guy. So if you can meet with fewer players, then it comes down to what tape you've put down and a lot of the tape. Like you mentioned, Tua right now, the tape that people are putting out right now, they have complete control over it. And and Correct. for control freaks like NFL GMs are, that, that's going to be something that they're going to have to have to deal with right now, it seems like, just with the way uh, the um, everything is going. Yeah, again, I, I guess the main point, again, is since to push it back, 15 is more of an opportunity. How far can you push it back without it being really an issue? Uh, again, I, normally they start up their programs in mid-April. That's more than likely to happen. We may have talked about this last week. There, there's a very good chance that they don't get up and running teams until late June, early July. It could be training camp. It could be when they get guys together. And as an extension of that, trying to get Phillip Rivers incorporated. Yes, he knows the offense. He's going to know this offense pretty well. But he's not thrown to anybody. He's probably not even met these guys yet. So. You know, these quarterbacks that have moved, Phillip Rivers to Indy, Tom Brady to Tampa, they're not going to have that period uh, of, of transition into their offense or to their teammates. So it's going to be it's going to be an already odd offseason is going to get stranger as we finally get into the season. Well, it'll be different from last year when the 2019 draft held in Nashville drew a three day crowd of 600,000 or so people pumped about 200 million dollars into the local economy. Of course, <clears throat> Vegas, like everyone else, is, is hurting a little bit right now. Not that many people are shedding a tear over Vegas. The house doesn't always win, apparently, if there's a pandemic going on. But um, <clears throat> also, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter, the NFL reportedly planning to use the draft as a means of bolstering charitable efforts uh, to help those impacted by the coronavirus pandemic. So that's awesome. If indeed uh, that that something good comes of uh, something uh, that the NFL is doing to, to get the draft done and give give NFL fans just something to cheer about, something to look forward to, and at the same time, uh, helping the people who've been impacted. So we certainly all hope that it can go on um, I, as scheduled would be ideal, but just go on and get teams as, as ready as you can to be ready for day one. That's um, that's what everybody's job inside every building is right now. And really, many, with many of the buildings closed, it's what everybody's job outside of the buildings is, of course, as we try to build toward a, a very unique uh, 2020 offseason. But as for the Colts, it was a very eventful week in free agency. We've discussed a bunch of uh, their major moves already in last week's podcast with uh, Anthony Costanzo and Philip Rivers and DeForest Buckner. But um, as much as the splashy, big name free agents are absolutely relevant and will play big dividends or not pay big dividends with the new year, the smaller, quote unquote, moves, the uh, ancillary moves that don't steal the top headline on ESPN or Fox Sports or CBS Sports, wherever you're looking for your sports news outside of the Colts Blue Zone podcast, of course, 
all those moves help build your team underneath the stars. You, you can't just have the stars and then a group of misfits behind them. There needs to be a solid foundation to the franchise. And whether you trim out necessary parts from the past to try to go in a different direction, well, that's what it seems like at least GM Chris Ballard is doing when it comes to cutting starting cornerback Pierre Desir, a guy that the Colts just gave a three-year deal to last offseason. Really, a lot of that, most of the guaranteed money was already uh, already paid to him, though. So it's not like it's a big dead money cap hit if you cut Pierre Desir. But nevertheless, it is a bit surprising. Pierre Desir did not have as good a year last year as he did two years ago. But still, Mike, to let go of a player that you just gave a good contract to last offseason and say, oh, we're done with you. I guess that's sometimes life in the NFL, but still a little eyebrow raising when it comes to the Colts in this move. Yeah, you know. Time doesn't allow is, is talking to Chris Ballard as far as why it, th- there's no there's no dead money involved. I think he was going to count about was it six or seven million against the cap, which is right. not exorbitant at all for a starting corner. I think he was going to turn what Joe, is it thirty in, in September? I think it is. Uh, yeah. it, it's a little strange that you you go from being so committed to Pierre Desir to really liking what he brought you to not. And keep in mind, he had a down year last year, but he had that he had a, a a bone bruise in a knee, and then he had a was it a hamstring that just wouldn't go away. So I'm not sure how you evaluate going forward. And in what it does, it, it creates another area of need. Uh, we can get to that second round picks that they have left, but right now your starting corners are Rocky Seen and you say Kenny Moore, but he's really their slot guy. So the number two corner would be Quincy Wilson. I, I don't know. And they and they gave up on him last year. Uh, Marvell Tell, I, I don't know what you do there. Uh, some, again, s- sometimes it's to understand without relation why a team that has needs, uh, other needs, why you create one. But it's clear that for the cost it would have been to keep him, I could get something better. There's a better alternative out there somewhere. Yeah, we were talking, of course, at the beginning of free agency, noting that the Colts are one of the teams that have the most cap space in the NFL. But, but yeah, after that first week when you sign Costanzo, you trade for Buckner, you sign Rivers. I mean, my goodness, all, all that cap space disappears in, in a big hurry when you get a bunch of big-name free agents coming in. And uh, so if you want to make any big moves or any significant moves now – uh, you uh, you have to you have to shed some cap space to do that, and it's about seven million the Colts save with Pierre Desir. Um, whose dog is barking, by the way? Who's who's joining us? That's, that's my mailman's here. Hey, hey, hey! hey. <laughs> that's my my dogs. If I was home, they they would they, they would freak out every five seconds because every time somebody just walks down the street, my goodness, they they go bonkers. Yeah, he, he – most people, he's friendly. That man, man, though, I swear, I don't know what it is about him, but every day at 2.30, he goes back. <laughs> hey, one, one thing – that's why I have cats. All they do is lay around, <laughs> and they, they eat, sleep, and poop, and pee, and that's about it. Mike, you mentioned that it, that it creates, yeah, a position of need. We'll, we'll really get into more needs later, but but absolutely. Um, this, this move – to me, when I first when I first heard about it, my, my, my first reaction was just about Pierre. Like, he's a guy that the Colts really liked last offseason, like I mentioned, giving him a three-year deal. He's a guy they loved during the season. He's the guy that was their nominee for the Walter Payton, Walter Payton Man of the Year Award for both on-field performance and off-field charity work. So he, he was a guy that was highly respected in the locker room. This is not, not at all a uh, cut that, oh, this guy just didn't fit. You know, and Kenny Moore goes on to Twitter after this move was announced saying, man, my dog, he's been with me since day one. This one, like you, you really feel the business aspect of things in the NFL and with a move like this. So um, it is it. I mean, now now Kenny Moore is is the veteran of the group. Right. Kenny Moore, the, the undrafted free agent from two or three years ago, that Chris Ballard didn't even want on the roster. That is now maybe the highest paid slot corner in the NFL. At least he was last year. Not sure if he still is now after this round of free agency, but nevertheless, you got Kenny Moore. And I, th- I think this move speaks. Um, I, first of all, we'll, we'll get to the knees later, like I said, but I think it speaks about what the Colts do think about the guys they have in their building and specifically Rocky Seed and Marvell Tell. 
Um, Quincy Wilson still leaves a lot to be proven, as Chris Ballard has said before, that it's a big offseason for him. Guys like him and guys like Tyquan Lewis, who last year didn't see a whole lot of play after maybe being promising a bit two years ago. But but to, to let go of Pierre Desir, you got to have at least a little bit of faith in what Rocky Seen and Marvell Tell can do, as both of those guys saw Rock the most snaps out of anybody on the defense, and Marvell more snaps as the year went on. Do you guys agree? No, no question. Again, you, you, someone like Chris Ballard, you know, GMs that know what they're doing, you sell and do, you know, transaction one without what transaction two going to be. You, you have to have a plan in place. And one thing to keep in mind, they opened the offseason with about $86 million in cap space. They're down to about 27.9 or so of cap space. And you can do things because uh, one thing people need to realize with the, with the salary, you can do funny things with it. You, it's, it's not a hard cap. You, you can structure contracts, although there's one year, 25 million. He counts 25 million. So they have room where they can go out and get something major. I don't know. I'm not sure what's out there cornerback wise. I certainly don't don't know what the cornerback wise is better than what you just let go. So uh, as much as we question what they're doing, Devin Funches goes to uh, Green Bay. They're not going to bring Inman back. So you've got needs there. Uh, Really curious to see how they move forward. Maybe before the draft, if there's still something they've got fishes, you know, lines in the water for. Couple of players on the offensive line too, uh, going elsewhere. Joe Haig signing with Tampa Bay to protect Tom Brady. Uh, the NFL's Ian, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport reporting it's a one-year deal, about $2.3 million. It could go up with incentives. So um, Josh Andrews also signing with the Jets. Uh, with the number Hay gets, um, Mike, any surprise at all that the Colts maybe didn't try to match it? Or maybe they did, and Hay just wanted to go elsewhere with the idea that, hey, I could possibly start down here, and that's an option that I'm absolutely just not going to get here in Indianapolis. Yeah, when you look at the at the number of 2.3, that's really not much in, in relative terms. But Tampa Bay gives, it, gives him the possibility, the, the, the option to start. Play going to play well, and you, you're their starting right tackle. Here, the only way he's going to play is if somebody gets hurt. He played like, what was it, 75 snaps last year, uh, all, all in relief, obviously, short-term type stuff. So I, I just think it was a much better opportunity. And we kind of thought that if, in his mind, he wanted a chance to start. It would be elsewhere, not here. And like I mentioned, Josh Andrews as well going to the Jets. So really the Colts offensive line took a bit of a hit, at least the backup, uh, the reserves on the offensive line. So along with quarterback, that's another need that we'll discuss a little bit later on in the program. They did bring back LaRaven Clark, a player who I don't know if he was active in a single game last year. If he did, it was – there you go. Never on the field, not once. One-year deal for the Raven Clark worth about $1.2 million. Um, uh, reports say 300000 only fully guaranteed. So um, so that that's what you have for the Raven Clark right now. And <clears throat> apparently, Chris Ballard was in love with the 49ers defensive line. He said as much at the NFL Combine, said they were freaking good up front. Um, and uh, the Colts went out and signed defensive tackle Sheldon Day. Uh, who was a 49er last year and 25 years old product of dub C Warren central high school here in central Indiana also went to Notre Dame in college, uh, 6'1, 294 pounds. Uh, he started alongside DeForest Buckner in the super bowl. So you, you get a guy there who has starting experience who has super bowl starting experience who is from Indianapolis. It's another move once again, to shore up Mike, what was clearly one of the Colts biggest needs entering this offseason. Um, based on what they got production-wise out of the defensive tackles last year. It probably tells you on defensive line that Jabal Shear more than likely won't be back. They got rid of Marcus Hunt. This, I tell you, I don't think we should anticipate Sheldon Day. He's your automatic starter alongside Buckner. Grover Stewart probably has that inside track now, but this makes me really wonder what they think of Tyquan Lewis. Because I mean, he he was he needs to, he needs to be by this time in his career that starting interior guy, and we haven't seen it in. Some of last year was always strange. We were never getting a full, you know, I, I guess report on what what he was doing. At one point, he apparently wasn't in shape to practice. So, 
Uh, and again, he's one of those guys that Chris Ballard misses a make or break year. His second round draft pick should be a solid starter by this point in his career. Hasn't happened. Uh, but again, the, the stat always gives us those uh, bullet quotes. And during the combine, it was how you, you all obsessed about wideouts. I obsess about O-line and D-line. And he keeps uh, bearing that out with the huge money to Costanzo, the big trade to, to Buckner, giving up not only the 13th pick, but a massive extension. I've not seen the numbers on Sheldon Day. I doubt they're off the charts. It may be, you know, a year, two or three million. I don't know. But uh, he gives you another nice rotational player when you put in Lewis, you put in Stewart, Ture, uh, Mohammed. So it, it looks to be a good group, a deep group, along with Justin Houston. So uh, they're really putting their money where they're, you know, the owner's money where their mouth is on as far as keeping the both O-line and D-lines strong. And you mentioned the uh, the cap space a little bit earlier, Mike, uh, and it's numbers that we have per uh, the website over the cap that Colts are nearly about $28 million in cap space, which, right. like we mentioned, it's a, it's a whole lot less than they used to have, but it's still a whole lot more than some teams have right now. And I think I think you have to have a pool of about $12 million or so for, for rookies um, when they come in. So that, that it still gives you a good $15 million, you would think, to uh, to work with for if you want free agents to bring in at this time and the Colts have done pretty well with uh, with late term free agents um, I, I always go back to the Mike Adams signing back maybe six years ago or so or however long ago that was he comes in he's a Pro Bowler for two years and then just this offseason he retires so maybe that's why he's fresh in my mind but j- just because the first week or two for a free agency is done uh, does not mean that the Colts Mike are done looking around and trying to piece together things for for their team for the upcoming off season. Right. And that's why we always kind of freak out here. It is what March 26th. And we're saying, guys, they've not done this. They don't have that. They need a receiver. They're not going to, you know, you took it to draft to go. So you still have time. And they, they were never outside of Buckner. They, they were never going to go and get the big money guys because they've never done that. So we, we need to be a little bit of pay. Now, if they can, if, if we're sitting here in June, and after the draft and after this next round of free agency, whenever that is, they're still with T.Y. and, and Pascal and Paris Campbell as your receivers. Then we have an issue. If you still haven't got a tight end, we have an issue. But we're not there yet. One thing I just want to look in here on the over the cap, the, the rookie pool for the Colts is roughly $6.5 million. Oh, it's much less than I thought. Well, well remember, they, they've got a first-round pick now. Good point. So that actually takes that, that money out of there. Uh, so so it, won't, it won't be that. But then you need to carry whatever they like to carry, $10 million during the season, or, or injuries. They have room. They, they, again, they can do – you can do a lot of squirrely things with the cap. They will. Uh, so, so we'll see where it goes. But, again, they still have some flexibility. Some teams are just – up against the cap big time to where they can't do anything until they start restructuring. And all, all restructuring does is kicking the can down the road because they're right. There's a, you've always got to pay the piper when the time comes. So, uh, but, but again, they have work to do and, and we'll see where their work takes them. Well, some of the work that, uh, that could, could go down over the coming weeks. Uh, Joe put together a list here, uh, just a quick list of several free agents that are still out there on the market. And, uh, Joe, you, you start off the list. I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. Just the first name was was one of the biggest names really in NFL free agency, entering free agency starting last week. And uh, he's a he's a guy that Colts fans should be very familiar with over the past couple of years. So tell tell me your thoughts on this list of free agents uh, that, that you put together. Yeah, the, the first guy who really stands out, a lot of people are kind of surprised he hasn't been signed yet, is Jadavion Clowney. Um, it, it seems like he came into free agency expecting a big long-term deal, $20 million per year, and really hasn't gotten that. So the longer it goes on with him still being available, kind of makes you wonder, would the Colts be a team to offer him a short-term contract as they seem to be in what, you know, DeForest Buckner calls a win-now mode, signing uh, Philip Rivers at the end of his career, making the big move to get Buckner. Maybe it makes sense to give Clowney a one- or two-year deal um, that doesn't, jeopardize the long term but definitely makes you better in the immediate i'm like what do you think yeah i'm looking at cap space make of it what you will 
Cleveland 40, 47 million, the Jets 36, Houston 34, Washington 33. Seattle's down at 14. So they would have to do some uh, you know, maneuvering to give him anything. When you get to this point in free agency, I mean, we're only, what, two weeks in or whatever it is. If you haven't got the big money now, you're you're not going to get it. It's very rare do you get it. Would the Colts do that? I don't know. I, I think the longer it goes, it's more likely he stays in Seattle with that one-year prove-it deal, I guess. But there's always a, a major shot to a player or two in free agency when they don't get the big money right up. I guess I don't expect the Colts to do that, but they're in a position to, to, to be about as aggressive as anybody. I've always liked Clowney. I, I know people always complain that, well, you know, the sack numbers aren't where you want them and all this. All I remember, and we've talked, all our, he's in the, back, the Colts' backfield every play. He's disrupting things for other players. So it's interesting where that goes. I think he stays in Seattle, but that's just a gut. Joe, can you, while you look up Jadavion's numbers, just his sack numbers, could you do that uh, for a second while I while I chat here for a bit about about him? But uh, I, I agree with you, Mike. I, I think he's a disruptor, um, and, and he has been since since he really started his career. I, I I'm stunned that he's gotten this far, and I I guess just reading into the situation, I would think the only reason that a guy like Clowney would would go this far into free agency is he or and or his agent must be asking for an exorbitant number, whether it's in number of years or or number of dollars, because he's proven that he's a productive player in the NFL. Maybe he's not the guy like um, he's not going to be just from last year, a Shaquille Barrett who gets um, 10 plus 12 plus sacks. He might not do that, but He's still he's still a valuable member of a defensive line. And if there are other GMs around the league like Chris Ballard, which which I know there are who obsess about the offense of a defensive line uh, for, for none of them to to get a sniff to Clowney. Uh, I, I think something's coming from his end, either from him or for his agent that just is kind of putting other teams off and saying, eh, no, we're, we're, we'll look elsewhere. Thank you very much. Yeah, Clowney, I mean, he had just the three sacks last year. He, nine the year before, nine and a half the year before. So he's never had the double-digit sacks. But anyone who's watched him, like Mike said, he just lives in the backfield, whether it's disrupting the run. I mean, he's one of the elite run defenders in the game. He puts pressure on the quarterback, um, knocks down passes, had a pick six last year. So he does just about everything you would want but rack up the big sack numbers. But could you imagine him on the front with Buckner, with Justin Houston playing the way he did last year, uh, that Colts defensive line would be nearly unstoppable. And at that point, it wouldn't really matter who's playing cornerback with Pierre Desir has gone because <laughs> they wouldn't have to cover for more than two seconds. So that's right. I just think, the, only distract, the only detraction about his career, if you want to nitpick, is I get the impression he's a little undisciplined. Uh, if you check his, remember that the, the offsides and, and the encroachments and I would always sort of, uh, as long as there are not too many, and he had a couple of major ones. Uh, one was a Colts, didn't see a game where it was a third and whatever, and he, and he got him to jump. Uh, it was kind of like the, with Tariq Glenn and his false starts. I'll, I'll deal with those indiscretions if I'm getting the disruptive plays. Uh, mm-hmm. But again, like we said, when, when you get to this point for agency, I will be shocked if he gets much of a contract. It, it, we're past that time. So, uh, you know, Dak Prescott, that, that, that'll happen probably. But if, if you're willing to give him that one-year deal, and again, I don't, I don't know what he would come somewhere for the one-year deal, but my goodness, what he could do for that one year. And then, if, you know, if, if he works into your system, then you can be on the front line with an extension. But uh, I, I, I wouldn't see a lot of downside from the Colts, from any team's standpoint. The the obviously drawback is what you're willing to pay and what he's willing to accept, and he's not willing to accept what he's heard. Point. And at this point, what else can you get for maybe similar money or a little bit less money, uh, specifically like former Vikings defensive end Everson Griffin uh, could be a guy like that. Had eight sacks last year, still a productive player even though he's 32 years old. So um, now, when when teams have less money to work with, 
they're, they would ideally like somebody that fits easily, of course, in their salary cap structure and not have to go crazy over the next three years, kicking the can down the road, Mike, as you re, as you put it, just um, trying to restructure deal after deal to, to make it work. So Griffin is another option at defensive end. Uh, you have to look at cornerback if you're the Colts right now. Maybe they are, have their eyes somewhere else on, on a cornerback. If you let go of a guy like Pierre Desir, you want a veteran in that corner locker room. As much as you like Kenny Moore, it'd be nice to have a guy who's been in the league for, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years who can still mentor some of these young guys. Um, who do we have here? Brashad Breland is, uh, is one of them, 28 years old. He started 15 games for Kansas City in 2019. Um, he's a starter in the NFL. Uh, he's not your front line Pro Bowl guy, but he's a guy who started for a long time in the NFL. Serviceable. Uh, yeah, a, a younger guy that you could go after is someone like a former Eagles cornerback, Ronald Darby, uh, who ha- he had one really good year uh, with the Eagles and then really last year got injured. Um, and then he was with the Bills, of course, before he was with the Eagles. Um, he was traded uh, from the Eagle, from the Bills to the Eagles. I think it was for wide receiver Jordan Matthews a couple of years ago when the Bills needed some wide receiver help. That didn't work out so well for them. But um, but but there are, again, once again, like we've been talking about, there are names out there. And if if Chris Ballard decides that uh, he could benefit or the uh, the cornerback room could benefit from one of these guys, then then I'm sure he, he, he'd he pull the trigger on that. But those are just a few of the free agents right now. that are I guess, catching our eye, Mike, to say that, hey, the, the, the Colts are probably still not quite done yet with uh, with diving into this free agency class. Yeah, I think what you do, you, you look up in the corner room now. Let, let's say I think they take a corner in round two because I still think it's quarterback receiver or receiver quarterback in round two let's say you take a a corner in round three are are you confident going into the season with what you have adding a third round pick and saying this we're okay now I don't think so because I think to expect a third round draft pick to step in and play major minutes although they they got what you seen last year you got major you know the the most minutes of the team, so I I will I will be surprised if they don't bring in a veteran corner to help bridge to whomever they go to in the draft. And guys, yeah. something we haven't even mentioned yet is whatever they do with Jacoby Brissett, if they cut him or trade him, that's another almost nine million dollars that they get back towards the cap to open up even more room. So this could be up to almost $36 million. Uh, I have a feeling the Colts aren't done making free agency moves quite yet. I will be more than surprised if Brissett is not on the roster in August. I, I, I think trading him doesn't, in my mind, seem likely because you, you, you've got a couple. You've got Newton out there. You've got Winston, uh, Jameis Winston out there. I don't know what the market would be for him. Uh, so I, I think I think he's your backup. And then what they do in round two, I, I just think that they still see value in Brissett, simply not as a starter. So I, I think he's your backup going into the season. That's interesting because we had kind of talked about him leaving the team before. Can you explain the shift a little bit on why you think the Colts might be more willing to keep him now? Well, when you, when you get – I thought maybe they would go to a uh, use that first round pick maybe on a, a quarterback. I, although I taught myself, I, I, ju- I just have come around to where I, I, I just don't know that it makes sense. Now, then you got rid of Hoyer, which we anticipated too. I, I just don't know that you want to go into a season with, with Phillip Rivers and a rookie quarterback who, who most certainly will be a developmental guy. So if, if Rivers, who never gets hurt or never misses games by injuries, does go down, then you're turning to the rookie. I, I just don't think to where this team thinks they can they can balance billing for the future, Buckner's 26, Day's 25, and winning now, bringing in Rivers. I still think they value uh, a veteran, a proven quarterback behind Rivers. And I don't, again, they saved $9 million uh, against the cap. Roughly, I think it is. He still counts. What would he, maybe he counts nine, and he, and he, and he, or he, he counts. It'd be twelve, I think. Dead money. He, they save nine, and he, and they save, or he, he counts twelve million in dead money. 
but I ju- I've just come on. I, I'm wishy-washy on Brissett, obviously, but I think they keep him because they value as what they what their experience telling you. Better have a, a quality backup for your season to go to hell real quick. Yeah, I I, I think that's that's as good as as an explanation as, as we can get for for just the value of having Brissett there. It is, and I think Mike, you touched on it. The uh, it, it's the ultimate attempt to balance building for the future and still trying to win now because you 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 absolutely could use that other nine million dollars that you get from cutting Jacoby Brissett, but how exactly can you use it right now? Like, and are are there pieces out there that you love? Are there pieces out there that you know would gel well in your locker room? Maybe Chris Bauer looks out or area scouts look out and tell you that some of these guys we've mentioned earlier, just they're not fans of them. They don't think they would fit well in the locker room. They don't maybe, think they would maybe, fit well in the scheme. That, maybe that plays into the, the clowny equation. Right. And, and I, that's, I yeah. I don't, I don't know his makeup at all, what kind of a locker room guy he is or what they even say, but they, they do make it clear that they want people who fit in. Uh, although not everyone's going to, you can have, I don't know how you just call it rogues, but they're very much, uh, committed to not disrupting chemistry in the locker room. I'm, I'm not sure they brought in the last few years that had questionable attributes, character attributes. Eric Ebron was a blowhard, but uh, when things were going well, it, it worked all right. But I just, they're not going to go out and bring in somebody who, who they just really know is questionable as far as breaking up the chemistry. Although if I'm a GM, my tolerance level on knuckleheads goes up the better the player is. So, uh, <laughs> again, now what, whether they have an interesting clowny or where they would say, you know, no, for all that he does, we're not going to because – and maybe it's all money. Maybe, again, Clowney's going to hold out for that one team that's going to pay a lot of money. But, again, I think that ship has sailed. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so, as we continue on, in the Colts offseason, they've certainly shored up some areas of need with uh, with uh, with their moves through the first week of free agency. They have a quarterback for now. They have a left tackle for at least the first couple next couple of years. They have a defensive tackle who is probably I would even say definitely the best defensive tackle already in Indianapolis Colts history, because you have guys who are good for. One year, or but nobody who has proven themselves to be good for oh, a couple it, years, and it, as, as much as good as he can be without ever playing it down. You have the guy who has the most talent you have ever had at that position. Well, because, because you can't think of who's the alternative, right? You can't get yeah. Ellis Johnson back in the day, Raheem Booger McFarlane for a short time, and, and it was a short time for the Super Bowl. So Tony Saragusa back in the day, but but not nearly. Uh, the same quality, not even approaching the same type of quality. So they, they've done, again, he, he needs to be a defensive corner. They need to be in position to give him another contract. When this, he'll be, what, he'll be, what, 30? Now, that, that may be pushing the envelope on what he might want, but still, this is a defensive cornerstone for at least the next four years, maybe longer. So Joe made a list of five Colts needs right now, and we've really touched on a bunch of them already. We talked about offensive line depth, that the Colts lost a couple guys who are key parts of having depth, even though fortunately they didn't need it last year uh, on the offensive line. Tight end, you just mentioned Eric Ebron. Uh, no more of that big downfield seam stretcher pass catcher. I uh, know the Colts like Mo Cox, but nevertheless, you got Jack Doyle and him on the roster right now. Maybe you can use a guy who's a little bit stronger of a playmaker there. Wide receiver in the same vein. You got T.Y. Hilton, and nobody nobody hates T.Y. Hilton. Uh, and I, I love T.Y. Hilton. And, but what do you have after him? Is a whole bunch of guys. like I, I really like Zach Pascal, but I'd rather have him as my number three or number four than my number two. That's for sure. Uh, I like the potential Paris Campbell has, but potential is just that. It's not proven. And, of course, we have quarterback and cornerback as well, two positions that we've discussed rather in depth um, already from from time to time, not just today, but on former editions of the Colts Blue Zone podcast. So when we look at those five Colts needs, um, let's rank them based on the after these first two weeks of free agency. Where do you think the Colts are most desperate for help uh, for 
the immediate and the foreseeable future. It's kind of like like Chris Ballard has to balance winning now and winning in the future. What just which of these five, Mike, we'll start with you, do you think is the biggest need uh, for the Colts right now, given where they are as a franchise? I would say quarterback, receiver, and cornerback. And cornerback. Uh, and again, Joe, Joe can, he's more into the draft and he's Mr. Mel Kuyper Indy version. Hmm. I, I I keep thinking that you have to you have to come out of this with a quarterback that you think can be your guy for at least the next four to six years. The further you slide back, the less the more risk there is with that guy. So I think thirty four needs to be a QB, and then I take a receiver. I think when as deep as his is, you're going to get a pretty good receiver at forty four. I think maybe a corner in round three, and maybe Joe can debunk that or or add something to that. Yeah, as far as the priorities, I, I kind of, as far as right now, completing the roster as is, I think wide receiver getting another, either wide receiver or tied in, just another big weapon for Phillip Rivers. I mean, you look at him through his career, whether it be Malcolm Floyd, Mike Williams right now, or Vincent Jackson back in the day, he's always had that big bodied receiver that he kind of throws up those 50-50 balls too. And that player's just not on the Colts roster right now. Um, so we'll get to it in a minute. I got a couple players. I got an article out today. Um, five prospects the Colts might be targeting at 34th overall since they don't have their first round pick anymore. But I, I got to say big body receivers got to be one of those top needs and helping make sure that Rivers is successful. You give them all this money. Um, you, you bring in him over Brissett. You got to put what you can around him to make sure he is successful in 2020. After that, I got cornerback. Um, very key position, and there's unless they feel very confident in Marvell Tell, fifth round pick from 2019, they'll need to add someone there. And then I think uh, quarterback obviously reigns supreme, but for 2020, you're set. And whether this draft or the next draft, they got to take someone, a young guy for the future. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's a challenging thing, of course, and and like I mentioned, for every GM, it's even more so trying to balance winning now and winning for the future. Uh, but for for right now, well, just if if I'm in his shoes, in in a GM shoes, looking at the Colts roster, I think their biggest need right now is quarterback, the the signal caller. Um, as, as great as having Philip Rivers for this year is, if you don't have somebody next year, then I'm sorry, and uh, you you've got to have the idea of who you want to be your quarterback of the future uh, on your roster. And right now he's not there. Sorry, Chad Kelly fans. It, it's not going to happen. You, you can, you can say swag all you want that uh, Joe, uh, Joe can, can throw up uh, the, the Chad Kelly all, all he wants, but it's, it's not gonna, it's not gonna be that it's just not going to happen. I, I, I apologize, but um, quarterback is, is your first need. Even if you have Philip Rivers right now, you need to start building toward the future because if you have Philip Rivers, which you do, like you're, you're not planning to have a top five pick in next year's draft. You can't just go in thinking, oh, we can get somebody next year. We can get somebody near the top of the draft next year that we really like. We have this quarterback we have our eye on for next year. Maybe we can get him in the second round. Well, what if he has a tremendous year and he vaults himself into the top five? You're not going to get that if you have Philip Rivers as your quarterback. And if you go out and you trade for DeForest Buckner and if you bring back Anthony Costanzo, like you, you don't have the roster to make it up and guarantee yourself a shot at a guy you like if you like a guy in next year's class or the class after that. So it comes down to this class. Who is in this class that you like? Go out and get him. Make it happen. Quarterback, I think, is their top need right now for sure. After that, I'd probably say either wide receiver or tight end. Uh, I'd say depending on which uh, when you draft somebody, if you take them, who can be the better playmaker? If you got a guy who you think is Rob Gronkowski in this draft, then by all means, take a tight end over a wide receiver. That's perfectly fine with me. I'll just I'll just slide in playmaker, uh, offensive playmaker there, some guy who can uh, who can destroy the defense over the middle or down the sideline, whatever it might be, to add to the contention of what you have in T.Y. Hilton and what you may have in a guy like Paris Campbell. And you mentioned, Joe, Philip Rivers has always had a big wide receiver. Well, he's always had a stellar tight end, too. He's had Antonio Gates for a long, long time, who's been one of the best tight ends in the NFL. 
And lately he's had Hunter Henry, who has certainly battled some injuries in his couple of years in the NFL, but has been a young bright spot on that offense too. So we love Jack Doyle here, but he's 9.6 yards per catch Jack Doyle. Um, he's not a guy that uh, terrifies defenses. He's a guy defenses have to be aware of, but you want a guy who terrifies defenses out there. So whether that's a tight end, whether that's a wide receiver, either one. So those are my first two needs for the Colts, quarterback and playmaker. After that, boy, it, it's hard for me to put corner back there just because of what they have right now. Offensive line, you love to have that in, in like the first five. You love it. It's set. It's great. It's a really good offensive line, one of the top five in the NFL. But if just one person goes down, then there's a big, big drop off to that second unit. So you, I, I would put offensive line even above cornerback right now. I think cornerback vaulted into the top four or five of needs when the Colts, Colts released Pierre Desir. But I think just other parts of the roster, other positions are just so much more vital to a football team in general. You can get by with an average group of cornerbacks. You really probably won't get by with an average offensive line. And if that's what it comes to, if your offensive line gets hurt, that's what it's going to be. You would much rather have a solidified offensive line completely than a solidified cornerback core completely. So that that's why I put depth in the offensive line above corner right now. So looking at this list, like I said, quarterback, playmaker, whether that's wide receiver or tight end, and then after that, offensive line and cornerback. Those are probably the Colts' top four needs right now, in my opinion, uh, going into this offseason. So that, that, was, that was a good list, Joe. What do you think? I just want to point out how none of us said defensive line, and that was unanimously one of the biggest needs heading into free agency in the offseason, and how quickly the DeForest Buckner trade just kind of washes that away. They signed Sheldon Day, but without Buckner, that wouldn't do much to move the ticker. So... Uh, you know, I just think it's interesting how none of us say defensive line anymore. That seems to be shored up at least a little bit um, between Buckner and the young guys they still have on the outside and Justin Houston. Well, one thing that struck me, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but at 13, it hasn't been that long ago, we were debating, boy, would they take that third or fourth quarterback at 13? Would maybe they move up top 10 to get one of those top three? And I was. I'm just wondering if, in Ballard's mind, the quarterback group isn't as deep as everyone's projecting. Maybe he just doesn't like this group. So maybe at 34, they can either get that guy that falls, or they're just not that much in love with these guys. I don't know. You know, you talk about the Fromms and people like that, but it's clear in my mind that they're convinced that they got more value out of Buckner, who's 26 at 13 than anything they would have got. Now you're paying, you know, so much more, $21 million a year over the extension. But in their mind, they're getting a proven player who's 26, who's next, whose best six years are ahead of him, as opposed to anything, including quarterback, they could have done with that 13th pick. And that's the thing with quarterback is it's so important and you invest so much into it. You got to get it right and, Ballard said in the past that the players or the teams that force it at a certain position are the teams that um, fail. So I, I maybe that's the case. Maybe the Colts evaluated all these quarterbacks in this draft, didn't like them, um, and said, you know what, we're going to get Rivers, move on, and maybe the answer will be next year. There are drafts where we don't see any successful quarterback. We look back at that draft from several years ago and go, man, that was kind of a stinker of a draft. And maybe Chris Ballard feels that way about this draft, or at least Love and Herbert, the guys who they'd be able to get at 13, because they're not going to get their hands on Burrow or Tua, most likely. I think I saw Kuyper's latest draft. He had four, four quarterbacks first round, I believe it is. So, you know, arguably you can, you can get the fifth best quarterback at 30, or, or, you know, move up, package your, your second and your third or fourth and move back into the first round. But part of me just wonders if he if he isn't in love with these quarterbacks. When he mentioned it's combine, you can't force it. That's when you make mistakes, whether you're talking Trubisky, whether you're talking Bortles or anybody else Jacksonville's taken. <laughs> so I, I I just wonder if we've all kind of we we've tried to force the quarterback on these guys when they don't think this whole from top to bottom, the top six or seven, maybe not that deep, five or six quarterbacks are as good as everyone's trying to project. 
And if, if you just don't, if you don't have a quarterback in uh, in the NFL, you're you're kind of just wavering. You're you're muddling through a bit of obscurity, uh, trying trying to find your way. Colts, you're the 2017 Colts. Yeah. Yes, you are exactly. So you could have all the talent in the world around them. If you don't have that guy under center, then uh, then then you're looking for him, and, and that's your number one priority. So um, I. I, I I, I agree with with what you guys said. And Joe, you really put a lot of your thoughts. You mentioned your article online a bit earlier. Um, why don't you tell people a little bit more more in depth, give them a little bit more teaser about what you have available online at Fox59.com and CBS4Indy.com right now. Yeah, go check it out. I put it out just today. It's five prospects who the Colts could target at 34th overall, top of the second round. Um, I'll just go through a couple of them. I won't go through the whole list. But T. Higgins, wide receiver out of Clemson, certainly one of them. Six foot four, he would give Rivers that big body. Um, very productive at Clemson. Very so-so pro day in in a amazing wide receiver class. He's a guy who could slip into the second round, and the Colts could pounce on him at 34th overall. Um, another guy I have here, if they decide to go cornerback, Trevon Diggs, brother of uh, former Vikings, now Bills receiver Stephon Diggs. Came to Alabama and actually didn't start playing cornerback until his second season. He was a wide receiver, um, or a sophomore season, I should say. He's a player. He's a big cornerback. He's still learning the position. Fluid athlete. He's a guy who, you know, the Colts seem to like these players who are ascending, who have their best football in front of them. Um, and that's definitely what Trevon Diggs is. I do have a quarterback on my list, um, but you'll have to go. Fox 59 or CBS4Indy.com to find out who that is. Uh-huh. There's a deep tease for you. So Joe puts together a good list. I'm sure we'll have plenty more draft coverage in the weeks to come and free agency coverage as it comes about. But uh, that'll wrap up what we have to say for this past week in Colts football for the Colts Blue Zone podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. Uh, follow all of us individually as well. Mike Chappell is at mchapel 51 Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe. And I am at Dave G underscore sports we thank you so much for downloading and listening to the colts blue zone podcast please subscribe today so you can get this delivered to your podcast listening device whenever it drops so thanks for listening and we'll see you next week on the colts blue zone